0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot.
1: As we get into the scripture message today, part two, on what time is it and what if, and we're reading this morning in Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. And so follow along with me, if you will. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days. I want you to underline that, in the last days. And I personally believe that we're living in the last of the last days. These last days actually started 2,000 years ago. But I want you to see this. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Maybe you know somebody, whenever you have asked them to tune in with us on these prophetic Bible sermons that we're talking about the last days, the coming of Christ, maybe you know somebody that has said to you, well... That that message people have been talking about for ages. I remember when I was a kid, the preacher talked about Jesus was coming again. And uh, I've just heard it so much. Where is he? Maybe you know somebody personally like that. Well, the Bible says that in the last days that the scoffers walking after their own lust would make themselves known. And verse four, and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. Now, this is where I want you to start doing your mathematical calculations here. And I want you to get this. I want you to think it through. Look at it. Be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness but is long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish but that all,
0: not just a few, not just a certain select, even though I do believe in the elect. But when Jesus died on
1: the cross, he shed every drop of blood for whosoever will. That all should come to repentance. I want you to look at your bulletin this morning very carefully because I'm going to give you some things that I did not give you last Sunday in the way of seven. We're talking about how God works with the number seven. Now, I want you to keep this in mind that the number seven is not a magical number. The number seven is a majestic number, and that makes all the difference in the world. And so as we review this just for a quick moment today, God has always worked with the number seven. First of all, we know that there were seven days involved in creation. Now, considering the last day, where he rested, I want us to follow this pattern throughout the scripture. And again, I taught you something last Sunday by the way of what some young students learn in seminary and it was called the law of first mention. I don't have time to reteach that point today but I want you to be very mindful of it. Considering the law of first mention going all the way back to Genesis, I want you to follow this number seven. When God destroyed the world by flood, he promised that it would never be destroyed again in that same fashion. And as a signal of his promise, he put a rainbow in the clouds. There are seven colors to the rainbow don 't forget this now, seven days to creation. There are seven colors to the rainbow. The children of Israel were instructed to march seven times around the walls of Jericho. Naaman was told to dip seven times in the Jordan. Listen to this: there are seven sabbatical years in Israel. Every seven years, God said to give the land a rest. There are seven sevens of years in the Scripture, and after that was the year of Jubilee. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 25, verse 11 through 12, the children of Israel were held in captivity for 70 years. Seventy weeks are mentioned in Daniel, chapter 9. As we move into the New Testament, Jesus described himself With seven different metaphors, he said this, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the vine. Peter asked Jesus, he said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? Seven times seven? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. Jesus healed seven people on the Sabbath day, on the seventh day. Jesus himself spoke seven times from the cross. In the book of Revelation, there are seven churches and seven angels, seven thunders and seven seals, seven trumpets and seven plagues. Now, having said all of that, listen carefully. It's clear to us, going all the way back to Genesis 1, how that God clearly works and is working today, even with the number seven. Now again, it's not a magical number, it's a majestic number. There are many scholars who believe that going all the way back to Genesis 1, which speaks about the seven days of creation, listen carefully, what if, and I cannot emphasize that, enough. And and if I could this morning in the margin of your Bible, I would take my pen and I would underline to almost where it was a highlighted place in your Bible. What if, and I would underline it and I would put it in quotation marks because that's exactly what I'm saying today. I have nothing definitive to go on this morning, but I'm giving you something to think about. And that's what you need to do. When you open the word of God to study the scriptures, you need to think, open your mind, open your heart. Let God, the Holy Spirit work with you. And if it comes to a dead end, the Holy Spirit will show you that. So here's the thing that I want you to understand. If you go all the way back to Genesis 1, and you consider now these seven days of creation, what if this corresponds to the 7,000 years of human history? When I get to this part of of the year, the first part of the year, and I teach these Bible prophecy sermons, I I baptize myself and study prior to preaching these. I have loved Bible prophecy all of my life, and I have just uh, enjoyed preaching it and teaching it. And so I, I spend time, in, and it's not just right before we get to these messages. Somewhere along about uh, the early fall, I begin to prepare these messages. Here's the thing about it. I still don't know everything there is to know about it, and neither do you. The only person that knows it all is God. But here's the thing. If you study to show yourself approved, you study, you search the Scriptures, and you've got to do that. You've got to open your heart. You've got to open your mind. And you've got to say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. And so that's what I'm emphasizing today. What if? What if These days of creation, the seven days, going all the way back to Genesis and using the law of first mention, what if this corresponds to the 7,000 years of human history, believing that there would be a 6,000-year period of human history followed by a 1,000-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ on this earth? Now, you think about that. So what time is it? Well, just suppose, and what if, and I want you to look at your bulletin this morning because I'm picking up with Roman numeral six, number six, where we left off last Sunday. And I want us to look, and you'll have to pay very close attention. I want us to look at the seven days of creation going all the way back to Genesis chapter one. And I want us to see how they, those seven days of creation, how they prophetically parallel with each millennium of human history. Now, I know that's a complicated statement, so let me say it once again. I want us to look at the seven days of creation and see how they prophetically parallel with each millennium of human history. And you can draw out the most significant event from each one of those. Here we go. Stay with me. The first day of creation parallels with the very first millennium. On the first day of creation, on the first day of the week, God created light and separated light from darkness. In the first millennium, Adam and Eve sinned against God and God separated them spiritually from his light. Are you getting this? You have to have the parallel now. Light and darkness were separated. Now on the second day, listen carefully, there was the separation of the waters above and the waters below. And in the second millennium, the waters above and below were used in God's judgment as he brought the flood upon the earth. You have to stay with me. And then he separated them again. On the third day of creation, listen to this, this is important, don't miss this. On the third day of creation, the grass and the seed. I'm going to emphasize seed. Don't forget the word seed. Pay attention to this word seed. On the third day, the grass, the seed, the herbs and the fruit trees were brought into existence. What significant thing happened In the third millennium, listen carefully, the promise was made to Abraham that through his seed, through his seed, all of the nations on the earth would be blessed. Can you get the parallel here now? This is what I want you to see. On the fourth day, look at it carefully. Think with me right as we talk. The lights in the firmament of heaven were created. Let me say that again the lights in the firmament were created on the fourth day. Now in the fourth millennium, the prophets were given the promise that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming to be the light of the world. Let me say that again. On the fourth day, the lights and the firmaments of heaven were created. But now in the fourth millennium, the prophets were given the promise that Jesus the Messiah was coming to be the light of the world. On the fifth day of creation, living creatures were created. And in the fifth millennium, now listen now, you've got to get this. If you miss point number five, you're you're really not with us. So pay very close attention. In the fifth day of creation, living Creatures. Let me emphasize this, living creatures, creatures, creatures were created on the fifth day. And in the fifth millennium, Jesus died on the cross that we might be made new creatures. Think about this, or new creations in him and given eternal life. Now, on the sixth day of creation... God and the triune Godhead created man in the image of himself, and they said to Adam and Eve to multiply and to replenish the earth and subdue it. And so in the sixth millennium, the one that we are living in right now Because you have to understand that from Genesis to Malachi, there are 4,000 years. And from Jesus to now, there's been just a little over six. The one that we're living in now, man has finally done what God has commanded them to do. On the seventh day, and considering all of this, God rested on the seventh day. And so as we think about now, the law of first mention going all the way back to Genesis and using this number seven in parallels as the scripture, listen carefully, what if God, what if God decided that the seventh millennium, because he has always worked with the number seven, going from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation, that this would be the millennium that the earth would be restored and Jesus would rule and reign from the throne of David for 1,000 years. Can somebody say amen? Five times in Revelation chapter 20, and I want you to turn your Bibles there real quick. Five times in Revelation chapter 20, and I'm going to read for you in verses one through six, we find the phrase a thousand years. And I want to read that for you because that's very important. We do believe in the premillennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is going to reign on the throne of David for 1000 years. And so, let me mention this to you as we read Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 through 6. John the Revelator is writing on the Isle of Patmos, the year was AD 96. And he says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, look at this now, and bound him. A thousand years. Maybe you'll put a little one beside that because there are five times in this passage from verse one and verse six that you'll find that phrase, a thousand years. Put a little one beside this one. In verse three, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till. Here it is the second time. The thousand years should be loosed or should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Verse 4, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands and they lived and reigned with Christ. Here it is the third time, a thousand years. Put a little three in your Bible there, the third time. Verse number five, but the rest of the dead live not again until, here it is the fourth time, the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Verse six, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him. Look at this, number five. A 1,000 years. So what do we know to be a fact? We're talking about what if. Let me give you the fact of the matter. And so we do know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the last 1,000 years of human history is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. We do know that for sure. The last 1,000 years... And I want you to think about it. So please listen carefully. Let's go now to number seven. The next major event that's going to take place on God's calendar of events is going to be the rapture of the church. That's the next thing that's going to happen prophetically. That's where we are right now. And so we are somewhere between Revelation chapter three and verse 20 and the verses up to chapter four. We're somewhere in the middle of that right now. We do know this, and by the way, I'm going to be preaching a message on the rapture next Sunday. I've not preached this particular message before, and we've been doing this for almost 20 years. And so I want you to listen now. The next thing that will take place on God's prophetic calendar is going to be the rapture of the church. And when the rapture takes place, the world is going to, listen now, The world is going to enter into a seven-year tribulation time. You see, God continues to work with the number seven. And while the world is experiencing the seven horrific years of tribulation, those of us who have been caught up in the rapture we meet the lord in the air 1st Thessalonians talks about that in fact every chapter in 1st Thessalonians talks about the second coming of the lord jesus christ But here's what I want you to know. When when the rapture takes place and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together and will meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord, the Scripture says, here's what's going to happen. The church, the believers, the redeemed, the ransomed, the set free, those who have believed in Jesus, when the rapture takes place, we're going to meet Jesus in the air. There's a lot that I want to say about that next Sunday, Lord willing. But when we stand in the air to meet the Lord and the old song says there's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by, believe me, there's going to be a meeting in the air. And when we meet the Lord Jesus in the air, we enter into the first phase of the believer's relationship, the wedding with the Lord Jesus. We enter into what is called the judgment seat of Christ. And that's going to last for three and a half years. At the end of that three and a half years, we move to the next phase and that's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the end of the marriage supper of the Lamb, but you have to remember something now that while we're doing that, while we're at the judgment seat, while we're being rewarded for our faithfulness and we move over into the to the marriage supper of the Lamb, we have to remember that the world is going through this seven horrific year of tribulation now, if you're looking at your bulletin and you're following along and you're taking notes, look at letter B to this. After the marriage supper of the Lamb, Jesus will return. That's the revelation. You see, he comes for the believers in the rapture. And if you read Revelation chapter 1 through 4, you will find the word church or "churches" named many times, 17 times perhaps I think it is. But from Revelation chapter 4 to Revelation chapter 19, you don't find the mention of the church at all. You don't find mention of the ransom, the redeemed at all. And the reason for that is this, we're not here. He has come to get us and we have met him in the air. He's given us the rewards. We've moved on to the marriage supper. And so from Revelation chapter 4 to chapter 18, there's not one single thing mentioned about that. But in chapter 19, the Bible says, Behold, he cometh with ten thousands of his saints. So I want you to understand something. He cannot come back with his saints until he has first come back for his saints. And so for anybody that believes that we're going to go through the seven years of tribulation, you just don't know what you're talking about. He cannot come back with us until he has first come for us. Hallelujah. So what you find in that chapter 4 through 18 is the horrific years. And listen carefully. When he returns... In the revelation, at the end of the marriage supper of the lamb, at the end of the seven years of tribulation on the earth, when he returns in the revelation, according to the word of God, Zechariah chapter four, verse number 14 says, in that day, his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives and the mountain will cleave in two. According to the word of God, Jesus will lead the sainted millions that have believed in him down the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives. The word says that mountain will cleave in two. The word says then we'll cross the Kidron Valley. Jesus the king of kings and the Lord of lords the bright and morning star the fairest of 10,000 the sweet rose of Sharon he's going to lead us right through the eastern gate and majestically he is going to lead us down to those portals of Jerusalem he is going to sit down upon the throne of David and for the first time forever there's going to be real peace on this earth for a thousand years can somebody say amen? When he comes back in the revelation now, he's got a little bit of business to take care of before he actually gets to the throne. And it's here that he slays the Antichrist, the false prophet, and according to the word of God, he will throw them into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Now I want you to look at point number eight real quick. If you're following along with me this morning, stay close now. Because after the tribulation...
0: When Jesus comes in the revelation and he destroys the Antichrist, the false prophet, he throws
1: him in the lake of fire, he is going to bind Satan in the lake of fire. He is going to bind him there for this millennial reign, this 1,000 years. So you have to understand something. When he comes back, Jesus, when he comes back and he, he does this incredible thing at, at the Battle of Armageddon, the Valley of Jezreel, and by the way, I've been there many times. I've taken some of you here in the church. You've, st- you've stood with me uh, overlooking the valley of Jezreel. And you know, and by the way, Napoleon said it was the greatest battlefield that he had ever could comprehend on, on the earth. Uh, we've, where the blood is going to flow 10 miles wide, 200 miles long, up to the horse's bridle six foot deep. The Lord Jesus is going to slay the Antichrist, the false prophet. And in this overwhelming scene here now, and by the way, he doesn't come with tanks and missiles and bazookas and machine guns and hand grenades. The Bible says that he will defeat the Antichrist with his spoken word. You say, well, how in the world can he do that with the spoken word? Just like he said, let there be light. Whatever he says... He will defeat the Antichrist with the spoken word. And the Bible says that he will then bind Satan. He will place him in the bottomless pit. He will put a seal on it for 1,000 years. So now, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with a seven-year tribulation. Now, now listen, when I say we, let let me make sure you understand this right. Because you see... When the rapture takes place, there's a lot of things that goes on here. The Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, can it, the last time I did research on that, uh, there was a cooperation that had calculated one uh, a twinkling of an eye to one-twentieth of a second. So I want you to understand some that. You, you blink your eye. And the Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Now here's what's going to happen. We don't, just, we don't just go, the old song says I'll fly away. We just don't fly away. Here's what happens. Now we do fly away. But what happens is, this is where we get our glorified body. This The, the word says, and we will be changed in a twinkling of an eye. I tried to tell the folks yesterday at the funeral. I've never seen a glorified body. I don't know what a glorified body looks like. I cannot take the Bible and tell you and I cannot preach to you and I cannot show you and, and go through all this what a glorified body. I have no idea what a glorified body is, but I will tell you this. The Bible says when we see him, we will be like him. So whatever he is, thank God, I'm going to be the very same thing. And the dead in Christ, whoa, I just popped a screw, I think. And the dead in Christ, listen now, the dead in Christ will rise first. Here's the thing, we'll be changed. When we're changed and we receive the glorified body, here's what you have to remember.
0: We are no longer mortal. We have in the twinkling of an eye, we have become immortal. You get this? Immortal. Okay, now here's the
1: thing. When Jesus leads us with him down the eastern, he's coming back now. You remember the Jewish people are going to say, who is this man? Where'd you get those wounds? Jesus will say, I was wounded in the house of my friends. Listen, every eye will not see him in the rapture. The trumpet will sound and Multi-millions will be gone. But when he comes in the revelation, now, now you, I, there's so many things I'm missing and time is of the essence here. And I'm trying to get it to you real quick here. This thing about the tribulation is going to be, with, with all my heart, I believe this, they're going to be showing this tremendous episode. Now, all this conflict, all this battle, listen, that's not going to be about Somebody just telling one person, yeah, I was there and I saw Listen, I think it's going to be televised. It's going to be all over the world. And here's what I believe is going to happen. Because they're going to be, this is going to be the biggest thing of, of history. And they're going to be showing this Worldwide. People are not in the Holy Land. People are not in Jerusalem. People are not in the Valley of Jezreel. People are not at Armageddon. But they're going to be showing what in the world is going on down there. And I believe these camera people are going to be showing this and all of a sudden, they're going to say, what is that? And they're going to catch the Son of God coming, leading with the millions. And listen, because not everyone sees him in the rapture. But I promise you, they will see him When he comes down, he will stand upon the Mount of Olives. He will take business as he has promised and prophesied, bringing it to a reality. He will bind the antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan himself, the woman, the bottomless pit. And here's the thing: times of the essence. Mercy, help me, Jesus. Here's the thing:
0: we are immortal. You have been given a glorified body. But you have to remember that there are people who are left on the earth that somehow survived the tribulation. And when you read somewhere around Revelation 18,
1: there's going to be so many people beheaded. Because accepting the word of the two witnesses, which is another thing, there will be people saved in the tribulation who's never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Two witnesses will come. I believe it will be Moses and Elijah. I don't have time to go into all of that right now. But from their ministry, 144,000 Jewish priests will be saved and multi-millions will be saved. But because of their profession of faith in Christ, multi-millions of people are going to be beheaded. But there will be some people that make it through the tribulation. I don't know how. But some people will, and then children will be born in the tribulation. So you have to remember this, that while we are immortal, Jesus is ruling and reigning on the throne of David for a thousand years. You have to remember that there is a cluster. There is uncountable numbers of people that have made it through the
0: tribulation that have gone into the millennium. That's, a de- that's, that's the mortals.
1: And when they have made it through the tribulation and when they have entered into the tribulation or, or the uh, millennium, here's what I want you to see. There's a reason why. I've been asked this question many times. Well, preacher, if, if God has finally put the devil in the bottomless pit
0: and he's put the seal on it, why in the world would he let him out? Why? I'm going to have to preach the rest of this next Sunday.
1: But I don't want to leave you without understanding that because we're in our glorified body, Jesus is on the throne ruling the railing. The remnant of humanity who makes it through somehow the tribulation they will in their mortal body enter into the millennium and you have to understand something. They are
0: growing. They are developing. They are maturing. And the only thing they know is Jesus. You listen to Pastor Tony Kahoot. For more information, visit our website at Buford Road Baptist